So today we're going to conclude our study in Daniel. And uh, Daniel consists of a lot of things. It's a very complex book. There's a lot of material here. There's character studies. There is pro- there's prophecy against empires. And in recent weeks, we've heard uh, Pastor David DeGlow and Brian Racer tell us about how Daniel tells us about prophecy, about the end times. And you may recall as part of the conversation on these prophecies that prophecies have both near and far fulfillment. So what we're going to do today, we're going to read um, a lot of passages in Daniel together. I'm not going to put them up on the screen. Instead, I'd like you to get your Bibles limbered up, get your phones fired up, because we're going to read some stuff together today, and I'd like you to follow along as much as possible. Rather than reading this extended passage, very complicated passages in Daniel 11 and 12, just allow me to sum up what's going on here. So Daniel 11 is a near prophecy of the wars of succession of the Greek kingdoms in the centuries before Christ's birth. So after Alexander the Great, his kingdom fractured, there's a lot of wars, Judea and the Jews were caught in the middle of that, a lot of abuse going on in that time frame, and it's a detailed description of all that's happening there. But it's also a far prophecy of the wars of Antichrist before Christ's second coming. Now Daniel 12 is the final conversation between Daniel and an angel. And Daniel is asking questions, lots of questions, and the angel is basically exhorting Daniel to be patient. So last week, Brian covered the narrative of some of these chapters and some of these events. So what I'd like to do today is I'd like to focus on a couple of highlights that stood out to me as I was reading these passages and things that, um, that we've covered so far. So the first highlight that stood out to me is the phrase, abomination of desolation. So why focus on the abomination of desolation. What is that? So, first of all, let's take a look at, at this verse and see why it's important. So, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. So, which chapter of Daniel is this verse found in, dear saints? This is a New Testament verse spoken by the words of G- spoken by Jesus around 33 AD. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Matthew 24, 15. Jesus speaking of the uh, we we as we looked at the abomination of desolation, that happened about 170 BC. And yet Jesus is speaking these words as if they were in the future. The phrase, abomination of desolation, was written by Daniel 600 years earlier. And the original abomination of desolation by Antichius happened 200 years before Jesus was born. So let's reflect on the fact, just for a moment, that Jesus is directing our attention, his disciples' attention, and our attention by extension. He's telling us, look at what Daniel said. He's referring to something that Daniel prophesied about. He's referring to something that happened 200 years, over 200 years before he was born. And he's speaking about it as if it's something that's going to happen in the future. You know, one thing that I really, it's like when we, we have to be careful when we interpret scripture. And it's easy to kind of get out on a limb or use bad principles and come up with little pet doctrines and different things like that. But you know what you're on safe ground with? When Jesus himself is interpreting scripture on your behalf, you're on safe ground. 
So I, it's, it, it, this attracts my attention when he is telling me, hey, this is something that's significant, this is something that's serious, then I want to listen and I want to I lend heed to what he's talking about. So just to clarify this, this, um, this timeline that we're talking about here. So Daniel's prophecy about 536 B.C. Antichius, um, he basically desecrated the temple in 167 B.C., Jesus' prophecy in Matthew 24 is about 33 A.D. Brief reference here to the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. And then, of course, we have the final fulfillment of the abomination of desolation by the Antichrist at some point in the future. So I just want to make a brief note here that this is something in the far future. Jesus predicted that the temple would be destroyed. The abomination, of, uh, the abomination of desolation that he's talking about was not a reference to the destruction of the temple. The Romans, the Romans basically just wiped the temple off the map. They burned it to the ground and then they flattened it, bulldozed it over as part of their war against the Jews in 70 AD. It was not a specific attack against the holy place. It wasn't a specific desecration of the, of the altar and the holy place. It was just them. It says, for the Romans, this is just business as normal. You irritate us, we wipe you off the map. The final abomination of desolation will occur under the Antichrist. Jesus was tying Daniel's prophecy to the far future. So this prophecy, we've talked about in the past, how prophecies have near and far applications. Near and far applications. Something that Daniel was talking about what was going to happen with these Greek states hundreds of years before him. And it was also, like this, we also say, well, this also applies to the end of time. And you would be reasonable to say, why do you say that? Where, 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 off, where do you get off saying that there are such a thing as a near and a far fulfillment of prophecy? Well, for me personally, this example of how Jesus made a specific reference to Daniel, something that had already happened, and he was making a re- in, in the context of his second coming, he, talking about the abomination of desolation that was yet to occur as a far fulfillment of prophecy. This is a solid ground to build your understanding of Scripture on near and far fulfillment of prophecy. So that's something to keep in mind. As you study this, and you, you may study something like this yourself, which I hope you do, but these, this, this is, a, this is a, a foundational principle for me. So let's take a look at some of these passages. We're going to flip open here now. If you can, open up your Bible. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. It says, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people in your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make an atonement for iniquity, and to bring in the everlasting righteousness and seal up the prophecy. Okay, that is the wrong verse. I'm sorry. And to anoint the most holy place. And then 26. Then after 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is, the, who is to come will destroy the city, the sanctuary. The end will come, and even to the end there will be desolations are determined. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering, and on the wing of abomination will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction. So Daniel, that's Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. Again, talking about the, 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 the king of the north and the antichrist, the forces from him will arise desecrate the sanctuary fortresses and do away with the regular sacrifice and they will set up the abomination of desolation. And last but not least, Daniel 12, verse 11, and from the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. 
So again, this is referenced continuously throughout Daniel. Jesus referenced it. This is a description of the, of the Antichrist setting himself up in opposition to God. You know, there's more than, here, here's, here's what I think about. There's more than just secular power struggles coming in. Antichius, he came in and he, he, he destroyed this. Romans, they came in and destroyed it. There is a spiritual combat occurring in these situations. In Antichius, he may or may not have been aware of what, what he was representing and what he was doing, but there's a spiritual underlying, a spiritual truth to what he's doing. And under the Greeks, these spiritual elements were hidden by the politics, or they were hidden by deception. But under Antichrist, these spiritual elements, this opposition to God, will be clearly shown and obvious for all of us to see. Another phrase that caught my attention in in these passages is those who have insight. In the middle of this confusing melee of secular and spiritual combat, there are innocents caught in the middle of all this. And the innocents are not just victims. They have a mission to do. And by extension, we have a mission. We're going to, let's say, we're going to read some more passages here. So Daniel chapter 11, verse 33. Those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many. They will fall by sword and by flame and by captivity and by plunder for many days. And when they fall, they'll be granted a little help, and many will join with them in hypocrisy. And some of those who have insight will fall in order to refine, purge, and make them pure until the end of time, because it's still to come at the appointed time. And then Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the authors to disgrace and everlasting contempt. And those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And finally, Daniel chapter 12, verse 10. Many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand. But those who have insight will understand. So, first of all, it says the wicked will act wickedly. Ain't that the truth? So, uh, that, that's, that's phrased out to me. But the insight, the, the, the element here of insight, the word insight appears in eight times in Daniel, interestingly. Frequently, at the, in the beginning of the book, it appears in reference to Daniel's ability to understand the dreams that, that the, the people around him were having. And God gave him insight into these dreams. And here it is at the end of the book, in reference to prophecy. And yet, Daniel is as confused as we are here at the, end of, uh, at the end of his story. So what does it mean to have insight? Let's just pause for a moment, reflect over some of the things that we've heard, some of the teachings that we've had. What, what is it, why is it Daniel had insight? What is it these people that were subject to the attack of Antichius, or will be subject to the attack of the Antichrist. What is it that grants them insight? What makes them stand out and be called out and noted by God during this time? Well, for one thing, they paid attention to God's revelation. They paid attention to God's revelation. So Daniel had dreams. 
God, God revealed these dreams to him. He spoke to him and gave him these dreams. We have insight. We have revelation from God. What revelation do we have from God? What's our revelation from God? The Bible. Exactly. So we do have, we have the ability to have insight as well because we do receive revelation from God as well through Scripture. Daniel's response to God and the response of the people who are suffering under the attacks during these, these historical periods and in the future was they feared God and they stood firm in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of uh, persecution. And they feared God, and they also expected resistance from the world around, from the world around them. Daniel and, his, and his, his, three, his three partners in crime, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they expected, they knew they were in a hostile environment, and they expected resistance, and they stood firm. And last but not least, these people who have insight expect a reward. And I think the application, the, these points are the application for us. Those who have insights, if we want to be someone who has insight, if we want to prepare ourselves to be people that have insight, we listen to the revelation that God gives us. We fear him, respect that, and obey the insight, the revelation he gives us. We expect resistance from the world around us, especially in the spiritual realm. But we also expect to be rewarded. And that expectation of reward gives us the ability to look forward into the future with hope and not focus on the chaos or the trials around us. So the final phrase that caught my attention was, seal it up, seal it up. So Daniel asks a lot of questions. Daniel asks for clarity in, in, in chapter 12. In a minute, we're going we're to read through Daniel chapter 12 together. And we see Daniel asking for clarity. God's been granting him clarity, even if he didn't even ask for it in the early part of the book. And now God tells him all these very confusing things. And he asks for clarity from the angels that he's talking to. And God essentially says, no, not yet. So let's read Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. Angels talking, but if you, as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. And then at the end, Daniel chapter 12, uh, 8 and 9. But for me... I heard but could not understand. So I said, my Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end of time. I think the application here for me and for us is that sometimes we're told no. We ask questions, we desire things, we're told no. And we have a choice on how we'll respond to that. I mean, there is, there is a parent-child analogy there, of course, as we are raising our kids, they ask for things, we say no. They want to know things, we say not yet. And we have, we have A, they're good in mind, and we may also have a bigger purpose in mind. If, some, if your kid asks you, what are we doing this weekend, and there's a surprise birthday party planned, you're not, and you won't want to tell them about it, then you're, not going to, you're going to say, well, we'll talk about that later. And it may be disappointing to the kid to hear that, but you're not doing this out of cruelty, you're doing this because you have a larger purpose in mind. Crude analogy, I know. Crude analogy. But God, he relates to us as a father. We are his children. He does have a, a larger purpose. He has our good in mind, and he has a, his larger purpose for accomplishing his will in history. So my question is, is, can you, when we're thinking about especially difficult things like this, 
that's the immediate application is this difficult, these confusing passages. Can we submit to that sovereignty, his sovereignty in that area of our life? Can we say, okay, Lord, I mean, Daniel, Daniel said, please tell me, and God said, no, seal it up. Tell me, uh, tell me when this is going to be. No, seal it up. And Daniel had a choice. And the same thing, we have a choice in this. We have a choice in other areas of our life where we feel like we're hearing no from God. We feel like we're hearing no from God. We have a choice. We, we should remember, A, he's out for our good. B, he has a bigger plan in mind. And as we seek him, as we are people of insight, he has a reward for us, something good for us. So the question is, can you submit to this? Will you submit to this in other areas of your life? You know, you may recall that I said that under the Greeks, the spiritual elements were hidden. And under Antichrist, the spiritual elements are revealed. They will be revealed. His mask will come down, and his blatant rebellion against God will be exposed, and he will have power to persecute those who resist him. You know, perhaps it's a mercy in some respects. When, Daniel, when the angel's talking to Daniel here, and now we're trying to understand these things, perhaps it's a mercy that the final details of the apocalypse are sealed up. Because once they're revealed, once they are revealed, once all the masks are stripped away, and once it's clear we can see the spiritual element of what's going on in this world, it's going to be nasty time. It's going to be violent. It's going to be hard. So this could be no, wanting to know the details of the end times could be like knowing the day that you die. You should be careful what you wish for in some respects. Personally, the longer I think about it, I'm, I'm grateful. I, I'm, I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that he sealed it up for a reason, and it's edifying, for me to, it's edifying for me to think about this. It's edifying for me to meditate on this. It's edifying on me to, for me to teach and talk about the fact that Jesus Christ will return, and he will have ultimate victory over evil. And I'm okay not knowing exactly when that's going to happen. One final point here, and I want to be careful I'm not making a hard statement. But in this sealing up, God's saying these things are sealed up. I find some analogies in the New Testament. In the, in the New Testament, Paul writes a lot about the mystery of the gospel. You know, the Jews were blindsided by the Messiah. They predicted, they read about it, they were expecting him, but when Jesus showed up, they were blindsided by it. In some respects, some of the aspects of the truth of what Jesus, who he was and how he was going to arrive and what he was going to do, they were sealed in, in the eyes of the Jew, Jews. So, on the other hand, may we not be blindsided or surprised by the return of Jesus Christ. We are told to be ready for his return. We are told to look forward to his return. We are told to expect, to expect his return. So let us not be spiritually dead or going about our lives in a callous or careless way where we're not, we're not waiting for him, not desiring him, not ready for him uh, to come back. And I also wonder, again, this is me, my personal opinion. I'm not saying this is a hard and fast, a hard and fast thing. I wonder if um, these seals, the seal it up, the conceal it, I, they, I wonder if there's a fulfillment there. In, in Revelation chapter 6, it talks about the seals being opened one after the other. These seals are being opened, boom, 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 one after the other. And when these seals are broken, when these seals are removed, it reveals devastation, violence, war, disease, poverty. And then finally, the, uh, the, the, the re final rebellion of the Antichrist as well. So 
little speculation on my part on these things. I would welcome your thoughts on this matter. This is, in times, is a, it's a very complex thing. There's huge variation of opinions on this matter. Um, I enjoyed thinking about it. I enjoy uh, talking about it. If you have any questions or comments or you have um, things you want to share on that, I, would, I, I know um, the entire teaching team, we'd welcome to interact with you on this. And you'll be hearing more about um, teaching on the end times um, in, the, in the weeks ahead. So I'll leave that as a little uh, teaser for next week, description for next week. So final thing, now that we've looked at things piecemeal, what I'd like to do is like to read the entire chapter of Daniel, chapter 12. And Stephen has uh, graciously volunteered to help me with that. So, But if you want to come up here and read for us. Daniel, chapter 12. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, Shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others on this river bank and the other on that river bank. One said to the man clothed in linen, Who was above the waters of the river? How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times and half a time. When the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be fulfilled. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed the end of time. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined, for the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. But you go your way till the end, you shall rest, and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. Amen. Thank you, bud. By the way, I think I, um, Brian, I think I owe you some thanks for your insight on the, the thought about the seals there from Revelation 6. So we've had some, you know, I've had some really good conversations on this topic here in recent weeks. Last but not least, the big picture of Daniel as we conclude here. Big picture of Daniel. Life at the ground level, can be tough. It was tough for Daniel. It was tough for his friends. It can be tough for us as well. The spiritual, very often, the spiritual elements, the things that resist us and attack us, are hidden. Sometimes they're not hidden. Sometimes we're, sometimes we're paying attention. Sometimes we feel very keenly our connection to the Lord. Sometimes we feel, feel very keenly the attacks that we experience. But very often, these spiritual elements are hidden from our life. The exhortation is stay faithful, trust him, 
listen to his revelation, fear him, and expect the reward that he has promised. Look to the future. Look to the future. The spiritual elements in our life will be revealed. They'll be revealed as we, practically speaking, in everyday manner. They'll be revealed as we seek him in prayer. They'll be revealed as we fellowship with one another. They'll be revealed as we read his word. And one day they will be completely revealed as all the seals are taken away, all the concealment is removed. The base wickedness of the world is shown and it will be there, unfortunately. The wicked are going to do wickedly, including us sometimes. But it's all, God wins. He defeats it. He cleanses it. He doesn't just cover it up, but he completely eradicates it through his power and his might. And we, as, as those who love him and seek him through Jesus Christ, we will be rewarded as well. These are commands for Daniel, for sure, but they're also commands for us. You know, it's going to sound weird. This final verse of Daniel chapter 12, it says, But as for you, go your way to the end. The angel's talking to Daniel. But he's also talking to us. So pretend like this is being read to you. But as for you, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. You will enter into your rest. It's going to sound kind of weird, but this is like God promising you that one day you will die. One of the promises of God is that you will die. Interesting way to look at that, isn't it? But it's a rest for those who love him. And yet you're also promised to rise again. Rising again is a huge mystery to Daniel. He probably had no context for that, aside from the scripture that he knew himself. Rising again is a huge mystery to Daniel. And yet we see this much more clearly ourselves, don't we? Because we have the benefit of additional revelation and insight. We know, thank God, we know that rising again depends on our faith in Jesus Christ. In the 21st century, a person of insight, person of insight, knows that rising again means that we repent of our sins. We acknowledge our sinfulness before God. We believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, and that he paid the price for my sins and for your sins, and that a person of insight receives Christ as their Savior, and that's the start of our walk with him. And that's, the, that's, that's revelation and insight that we have that Daniel didn't. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for um, your word, and I thank you for the mercy. I thank you for the promise. You, Lord, you promised me that I'm going to die one day, and you promised me that I will rise again, and you promised me that I will receive the inheritance that's set aside for me. And it's in Christ, and it's not because I deserve it. It's because of your goodness, and it's because of your power and your holiness. And Lord, I look forward to it. Look forward, it's weird to say, I look forward to resting and look forward to rising again. I look forward to seeing you. I look forward to receiving my inheritance. Teach me to be a person. Teach each of us to be a person that perseveres and stands firm. In Jesus' name, amen.